Well, hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you today as always. Got another great episode for you today. Today, I got a chance to hang out with Bo Martonic of the East Meets West podcast. And I got a chance to meet Bo in person a few weeks back at the Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Um, and we did a little bit of podcasting there. But we hit it off and uh, we got a, got a chance to schedule a full-length uh, podcast together. So I'm bringing that to you today. Um, Bo is an awesome guy. Like I said, he's based in Pennsylvania and he's the host of the East Meets West. West podcast, which is a great uh, resource for guys who live out east and want to go west and hunt and learn more about that. Um, but also, he does a lot of really cool content about finding adventure right in your own backyard. So, you know, heading out on a whitetail hunt or a turkey hunt, whatever it may be, um, in the Appalachian Mountains, for example, if you if you live out east here. So. Um, it's really cool to talk to him. He's also got some great YouTube content out there, um, not only about going west and a cool Alaska film even, but um, like I said, about finding adventure right in your own backyard. So he's got some cool Appalachian Mountain hunting content and whitetail stuff. So definitely check out uh, his YouTube channel, uh, Bo Martonic, and also East Meets West podcast. Um, you know, he was a big inspiration to me, and I learned a lot from him um, just as I've been continuing to grow this project and getting started. Um, and I really respect his work ethic a lot. He's a really hardworking guy. You know, he works a, a 40, 50 hour a week job and then also comes home and, and busts out and creates all this really awesome content for East meets West. You know, he's, a, he's an amazing archer as well. Uh, works on his own bows, great whitetail hunter, and just an all around uh, good dude. So um, a verse that really came to mind when I was kind of preparing this episode that Bo really... Uh, personifies to me is Proverbs 21 5 and that verse says good planning and hard work lead to prosperity but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty and it's such a basic concept but uh, not always easy to do in the real world Bo does an amazing job of this um, like I said busting his tail at a job and then coming home and and from the level of quality of his content you would not know you'd think he's doing this full-time but um, anyway, he's a great dude and looking forward to talking to him and sharing it with you. Uh, before we head into it, I do want to uh, throw out some more uh, decals for some five-star reviews. So if you're listening, Colorado Mountain Hunter and Sitka Steve, go ahead and drop me an email to hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. I'll get you some decals in the mail. And I appreciate all you guys leaving me five-star reviews and ratings. It's big time help getting the word out. Um, you know, share share with friends, word of mouth, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Got a lot more YouTube content coming down the way, including my uh, f filmed hunts um, coming out later this year. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube channel um, and, uh, you know, leave me comments, likes. It helps get the message out. Um, and speaking of which, um, so... This episode will release on August 15th, so this week I will be leaving for Kodiak in five days after this releases, and I'm working really hard to get some content in the hopper so that things will continue rolling even when I'm out of town. Um, so just to give you a heads up on that, um, I still will be bringing content out. I'm working, like I said, I'm working really hard to get stuff uh, loaded and ready to go so it just rolls out even when I'm not in town. Um, it might be moving to a bi-weekly schedule when I'm on the road and during hunting season. So, um, you know, 
sorry about that, but it's just, it's a lot of work to get these things produced and, and ready to go on top of packing and logistics and all the stuff I got going. So, um, there will be some great content still coming out while I'm gone. It might go to bi-weekly. Um, so just, uh, you know, keep that in mind, keep me in prayer as I'm in Kodiak, perhaps while you're listening to this, um, definitely going to need y'all's, y'all's prayers. Um, it's gonna be a fun trip, exciting trip. Um, and, uh, going to come back with lots of awesome video and audio content from that. So anyway, looking forward to sharing that. And, uh, so that's enough for me. I'm going to go ahead and we're jumping into this episode with Bo Martonic of East meets West. Enjoy. Well, cool. I'm here with Bo Martonic, my guest today. How you doing, man? Good. It's good to get to talk to you, man. How are you doing? Good, man. I'm um, doing well. And uh, me and Bo got a chance to meet a few weeks ago up at TAC in Seven Springs, and he got to connect up a little, a little bit up there. And um, and he was nice enough to join me today. So, uh, have you done any more of those uh, those shoots or anything lately, or? Um, the rate, the week after the one in seven Springs, I did go to, uh, Boyne, Michigan the following weekend to a shoot. Nice. And then that was, that was a blast. I have been going to the seven Springs one since they started, but I've never went to, um, any other one. So that was really cool to see. Northern Michigan's a beautiful place. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, so anyway, um, I know probably a lot of my listeners and stuff will have heard of your podcast and, uh, you've been crushing it, man, and um, putting out some really good stuff. So kudos to you, and I've been I've enjoyed listening to your you know your stuff. And I was also in the Founders series and got to hear more of your story and stuff like that. Um, so that's been appreciate cool. that. Yeah, man. Um, and yeah, just like I, I, you know, I know you have a full time job as well, and I but I see the level of quality of content you put out and like I can see how smart you are with your marketing so it's like it's cool to see that you're putting that much effort into it and doing it well man so good job (laughs) well I don't know if if I'm smart with it it's a lot of trial and error and trying to learn on my own that's I'll put it that way (laughs) you're humble but I can tell you're a smart guy You, you know what's going on so um but um, just in case people aren't as familiar with East Meets West, um, just give us a little background on you and your story um, and what you know what you're all about, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm from North Central Pennsylvania or Northwestern Pennsylvania, however you kind of want to look at the state. And I've grown up here in the middle of nowhere, um, the middle of the Pennsylvania wilds. It's really, I didn't realize it when I was young, but very lucky to grow up in this area where there's over 2 million acres of public land in Dang. Northern Pennsylvania alone. That's a ton. So I've never, never had a problem with hunting access and all, and since I was a, a kid, I mean, just grew up in a hunting family. So it just, everything kind of meshed along yeah. for me. And as I, as I was, you know, growing up around this, we have a hunting camp and like a whole family again is involved in it. I just followed right along the tracks, kind of like my dad did. And, it wasn't until I really, I was in college and met some buddies that were really big into hunting too. And, and that's when it like, just, I just, that's all I could think about at yeah. that point was just like full on hunting. And, and when I, when I got out of college and stuff, I'd moved um, to the Pittsburgh area for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really appreciated all the places I had to hunt at yeah. home when 
there there were small pieces of public land around the cities that I could go to and it was crowded because there's so many people there. Like that's when I really started appreciating that more. And, but when I was down there, a really good thing happened. Like, so with my previous job, I had met um, a guy that had owned a company that I'd hired to do some environmental stack testing. So I'm an environmental and safety manager for my day job and I work in a a manufacturing facility. So anyways, I was hiring this guy and he's like, you into hunting? And I'm like, yeah. And, and, um, he's like, I own a bow shop too. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And when I ended up having to move down to Pittsburgh, he's like, do you want to work part time at my shop and kind of get to learn the ropes? And I was like, yeah, like that would be awesome. And so I'd go in there, I started out, you know, sweeping floors and cutting arrows and the stuff that they would trust me doing. And, and then, you know, got into working on bows a little bit. And that's where I really learned how to, um, clothing layering systems and, and mm-hmm. under the way they were a sick of gear dealer. So I was learning yeah. all of that and just learned the whole inside and out of archery shops. But my favorite thing was just getting to talk to people all the time. Yeah. Everybody came in. That's what they wanted to talk about was hunting. You know, everybody's, yeah gets out of work and they come into the shop and like, it was, it was so much fun. And I realized kind of at that point, I was like, I want to find a way to do something, you know, when I'm talking to people like this and a few years in, I started, I started going out West. It was, uh, I'd read a book. Um, I discovered Cameron Haynes later than probably most people did. And I was on social media and stuff, but I hadn't like, I don't know. I just didn't know much about Western hunting and, I'm like, man, this looks like so much fun. I love yeah. camping. I love fitness and I love hunting. And this seems like a pretty good mixture of all of them. So I'd planned this hunt and just went out and did it. Just a do it yourself hunt, um, seven day backpack trip, um, with my brother and my nice. cousin. And that was the trip that kind of just like changed everything for yeah. me. I was like, this is cool. And when I was sitting up there on the mountain, I remember it was really hard and I struggled, but I remember writing down, like every day what happened and the story of it. And I just got home and I typed it up. I was not a writer at the time, like just for fun and podcasts were getting big at that time. And I, I wrote uh, an article and submitted it to this online publication called the journal mountain hunting. Hmm. And they ran the story as a subscriber story. And I titled it East meets West. And it was just talking about that elk hunt from an Eastern perspective and like what happened and all this stuff. And, ended up opening up opportunities to write more, um, for Adam at the journal. And, and, uh, I was like, you know what, as podcasts were just starting to get big and I was listening to them, like, would be really cool is to talk to the people from out West and from other places in the country about doing these types of hunts and having people, you know, be able to learn from it. Cause when I wrote that story and shared it on my social media a lot of like local people and a lot of friends i had were like man must be nice to have that kind of money and time to do that (laughs) and i'm like man it's really not that like it's not that crazy you just take some planning right and i i saw there was a gap and the podcasts that were out there were very good but they they were you had to be at already like a mid-level to understand it really be able to take things from it so I want to take it from a beginner level as I was and still kind of am and be able to talk to these people that are way better than me asking the questions that, you know, someone that hadn't done it before would get. And it yeah. took me over a year to finally pull the trigger 
and buy the podcast equipment and get it rolling. But it is the total archery challenge where I met you at was where I, I kind of first started. Nice. Um, Rob, who runs it there, he would come in the bow shop. So I knew him and I tell him about this idea. He's like, Hey, total archery challenges in three weeks. I'll give you a booth if you get your stuff and you get your everything rolling. And I'm like, Oh my. Awesome. So I just got on Amazon, ordered it all. And, uh, <laughs> learned how to use it right there, which yeah. wasn't the best, best method, but, um, yeah, it kind of, kind of took off from there with, um, I started, I just started loving, you know, going on these adventure hunts and like every year I try to have one hunt where I'm going somewhere and planning it. And then also just, um, it, the podcast has kind of transitioned to, to what I've been doing in my home state of Pennsylvania and all through the Appalachian range, which is kind of like almost adventure hunting whitetails in the, yeah. in the big woods region. So and that's, it's been definitely the, the part that's um, definitely taken off the most for me. That's really cool, man. And like a couple of things you said in there, like um, one is, you know, working in the bow shop and having that. And like you said, growing up in PA, having that like culture of hunting and um, it's, you know, in Virginia, we have a really strong like hunt club culture and I never was into that much, but I got kind of into it lately. And, um, and it's really cool having that culture. But at the same time, like when I found Western hunting, you know, we have sort of like the culture is kind of a good old boy kind of culture, you know, the, the beer guts, the smoking, the cigs, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. and when I found Western hunting, like you said, you know, these guys are into fitness and like health and, you know, all this, I was like, it was like a whole new world just exploded. It's like, I started hunting again. Did you experience something like that too? Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And it, it actually made me more excited to even hunt whitetails back home and take some different strategies yeah. and things I learned out West and apply that to it. Totally. And, you know, it's just, yeah, you can find really adventure anywhere. And that really opened my eyes up to it. Yeah, man. So, um, so like you, like you said, or like we said earlier, you have a full-time job as well. And then you come home, it's like a legit full-time job. Like you're in 40, yeah. 50 hours a week and you come home like, yeah. and crush yeah. it on the podcast and the content creation. So I do really appreciate you taking some time to be on the show today, man. I know you're a busy yeah. dude. How do you do it, man? How do you uh, do the side hustle and, and keep it going at work and all that? <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't know. It's a, honestly a daily struggle sometimes yeah. where um, like I... I, when I'm trying to plan things out, I feel like I have everything just booked for weeks ahead. And that's just like every day after work and stuff. And the last, last weekend is my first weekend home in like eight weeks. And mm. I loved it. Like I just was in my basement, setting up my gear, doing some work out in the yard. And that was a nice kind of breakup. But yeah, my, my regular day is like, I, I wake up between four and four thirty in the morning and I go to the gym and because if I don't get my workout done in the morning, yeah. it's a lot easier for me to skip it later in the day. Sure. So do that. I go to work for anywhere from nine to 11 hours a day. Um, come home, make dinner, do the podcast stuff till I don't know. I used to do it till like midnight, but that was I was the low sleep was catching up to me. Yeah. So Burning out I started started trying to break it down by like nine o'clock or so and, nice. and, uh, and doing that. So as I've become a little more efficient with doing things and knowing how to, you know, with the podcast and writing and stuff and learning how to do it 
little quicker, it's helped out um, quite yeah. a bit. So, and just trying to learn how to control um, what's on my plate and understand like, okay, you, you got to be realistic with what you can do. Yeah. And I'm not great at that, but it's something I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to learn. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you're doing well. And again, I appreciate your time, man. I know it's, I know it's, uh, you got, you don't have much time on your hands, but, uh, um, going back to that first, um, hunt you did out West, man. Um, I don't know what were, you know, what were some of the biggest takeaways, like some of the biggest lessons you learned on that thing? Cause those are some of the things that are invaluable and, you know, you can listen to all the podcasts you want all day long, but at the end of the day, you're just going to have to get out there and go and you're going to learn stuff along the way. But what was some of the stuff yeah. that you like your biggest takeaways from that? Well, first thing was Google earth lies to you and make <laughs> to look like yeah. things are more accessible than they actually are. Agreed. Um, so the mountains were bigger than I had expected. That was definitely the, I'd say the first thing that I, I realized from a, yeah. a lessons learned standpoint and also the air is a lot thinner. So even mm. when I thought I was in good shape, it uh, it made it a lot more difficult. And I learned that hard charging on day one is not a good uh, yeah. a good way to do going about it. When you're coming from the, anywhere, really, it's a lower elevation and going up that high. You you gotta. I know it's hard to take like days off of work and everything. Believe me, I know. But like yeah. you have to put days on the beginning to take it easy and acclimate because yeah. you can ruin your whole trip and get seriously injured if you're not able to do that and be able to acclimate to the elevation. So that was a big thing I learned. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, uh, takeaway was the first trip I did, was a backpack trip and we mm -hmm. packed in for seven days. If I were to tell somebody to do it again, um, if you're really experienced with backpacking or backpacking out West, maybe you'd be fine with it. But it's probably to take some take baby steps rather yeah. than going all in you know truck camp yeah go and sleep at the truck hike in do it like elk hunting in the in the west is less than 10 percent success and that's including everybody that's including the outfitters that's including people that have done it forever mm -hmm. it's very difficult and you have to understand that it's going to be um a process rather than a, a one-year bucket list type thing so For if sure. that's what you choose to do um which i i'm not in any way steering anybody away from that but you just have to have those expectations um realistic expectations going into it and realizing it's going to be a process yeah. but it's a process that if if you love that kind of stuff, you love working hard and delayed gratification. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so the, those, those were some of like the, the first things that just came to mind on that trip, but there's, there's just countless uh, amounts of things, you know, test your food ahead of time. You know, you need to understand how your body reacts to that backpacking food. Mm -hmm. And it sounds good. Just like get a whole bunch of calories and bars and food. But when you're in four or five days in and you're tired and, and all these things, nothing sounds good to you. So try to have something in there that's like uh, something that you enjoy yeah. and 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 understand how your body reacts. Because if you go in there with all these, you know, high fat, high protein um, meals, and you're not used to eating like that in your regular life, I could, your digestive system isn't going to treat you the best. So, yeah. it's, and that's and that that can be can make your hunt difficult if you're oh, yeah. not ready for it. So those are some of the things that, that come to mind. I think like learning that and just getting out and doing it in, in my opinion is better than even learning 
you know, trying to know exactly how to kill an elk or do those types of things. Those are obviously really important, but you can only do so much. And I think just figuring out how to make it happen and do it is, is your best first step. Yeah, man. Yeah. There's some good, I remember the first time I went to Colorado and like my stomach was just like bloated, like, and like in pain, like the first day I was like, what is going on? And then I went to the grocery store and I saw the bags of chips that are like inflated like balloons. Like, Oh, that's what my stomach looks like right now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, And, uh, and as far as like a process, yeah, that's so true, man. Like coming from the East, you know, East coast, if, if you're not, you know, just learning the ins and outs of being a good backpacker is hard enough on top of like figuring out tags how to find and kill an animal, like carrying a weapon with you, like the learning curve is steep. So I, I did what you did, um, kind of inadvertently, honestly, but, um, cause patience is not my best strong suit, but we did a trip like, you know, in the Western part of the state in Virginia, me and my cousin, uh, there's a whole podcast about it. I do. I made every mistake in the book, including shooting a hole in the floorboard of my truck with a 30, 30, <laughs> holy cow yeah yeah you gotta go back and listen to that one sometime but um, yeah you know got (laughs) wicked blisters and but we ended up coming out there with a deer i shot a deer in the last day anyway um so yeah definitely start small like you know that's a good good advice man um and uh you got you got a mule deer hunt is that right coming up this year yeah yeah i've 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 not hunted mule deer up to this point and i've hunted elk for four years and caribou last year and and i've always wanted to hunt high country mule deer but i'd wanted to get an elk first and it took me four years to to kill an elk and then i went to alaska so i was like okay this is my year for mule deer so i've been putting in for points in colorado and i finally drew a tag that uh that i wanted to go hunt this unit and so both myself um, my cousin Mason and and one of my best friends Michael were all going together, nice. and then Justin, who's filmed some of my hunts, he's mm-hmm. coming along again cool. to uh, to film it. But it's gonna it's gonna be testing. It's almost it's not like starting all over again, but it kind of is from the standpoint of like you know I I've I've never hunted mule deer. I've never sat behind the glass all day, and yeah. and we're hunting it elevations you know upwards of thirteen thousand feet in some places even higher and it's going to be uh, a physical and mental challenge we're going for 14 days um so it'll be it'll be a trip but the first three days we're out there is just acclimating it's before the season even opens we're smart staying at an airbnb one night and just like at a high elevation at a ski resort just uh to be able to try to acclimate there, do some light hiking, find some, we have some spots, Mark ruin glass from the road. So we're still doing things that are beneficial, right. but not, not overdoing it. And then like a day, day and a half before the season, we're going to try to hike in, set up camp and try to find some bucks cool. to go after, you know, on the opening day. So that, that hunt is, um, th- this will be a backpack hunt. And so I've been, I've been just like prepping all my gear, unpacking, packing, making sure I have everything, got my list there, weighing things out and going through it and practicing shooting my bow and, and in all different types of, um, situations and just working out and walking around and, and hiking with weight on my back and just getting used to it. 
doing everything I can to try to put those odds in, in my favor. Nice, man. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track. Um, that's going to be cool. Looking forward to seeing that, that film and, and hearing about that hunt, man. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, um, it's like I said, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time and I just, I haven't done it yet, so I can't say this, but I feel like it, it could potentially be like my favorite type of hunting, even over elk hunting because elk hunting is a lot. I love elk hunting, yeah. but a lot of it is walking, you know, through the timber, you know, trying to hear a bugle or locate elk. And whenever I started glassing in 2019, I went to more of an open type country area in Idaho and I was able to watch animals, uh, you know, from even miles away. And I just became obsessed with doing that. And I love watching them. And last year, caribou hunting, watching mm. grizzlies, you know, moving across the mountain and doing these types of things. I'm like, I love glassing. And that's what mule deer hunting is and spot and stock. And I just love deer in general. Um, as, as you know, I'm obsessed with, with <laughs> whitetails too. So I just, I just have a feeling that this is, uh, this could be something I really enjoy. Yeah. I've been looking forward to and holding off on the mule deer too. Um, kind of building some points and different things like that. Um, you know, I did Alaska last year as well. And this year I'm going back, we're going to go to Kodiak this year to do the oh, black, nice. yeah, the black tail. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then I'm going to do an antelope hunt, but, um, man, Alaska's freaking amazing, isn't it? Oh my, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I want to do that black tail hunt. Everyone keeps telling me that's such a fun hunt yeah to be to be able to do yeah man we're looking forward to it. we're gonna uh, we're actually leaving in just just under a month so we'll be out there when you know stuff is still green they might still be some in velvet and um flying into an alpine lake and we'll be back there like six days so that's gonna be cool man sorry somebody's calling me oh that's awesome but um i'm sorry someone called me all right um but yeah man um just you know I can see it behind you, your, your slogan, how do you define adventure, man? And so I, I kind of wanted to like, you know, get your take on, uh, adventure and like, um, and, and you know, like we've said, you can find adventure right in your backyard, which is awesome. I think that's something that you've been, uh, really vocal about and like, um, and it's so true. And I, I love that. Um, so like, what, what do you think, draws you to this style of hunting like that is a little bit more physically demanding it takes more preparation takes more time more resources uh it's harder sometimes it's not even fun in the moment but like what what draws you to this type of hunting you know it's funny because like sometimes when you're in the moment and you're on these hunts well actually most of the time it's not (laughs) that fun and it sounds like weird to say that yeah but it's it's 110 percent type to fun on a lot of these trips it's difficult it's hard you're tired you're hungry all of a sudden you realize you need water and you have to drop a thousand foot elevation to go get water just to be be able to make dinner like it's it's funny when you go through those things but for me, I think the reason why I love it so much is I love seeing new places. I love mm. like realizing that there's really no limits to what you can do and, and be able to experience in the year long process yeah. that what it takes when something comes together, it's so it's the most satisfying, gratifying feeling that you right. could possibly have. And also just, I just like being able to completely disconnect. I mean, we just talked about how busy 
you know, our lives can be on a, a daily basis. And when you can completely disconnect and just sit there and you're literally bored. So you're sitting there and you're listening and you're watching a bird fly and you're seeing a, a marmot that's coming up on, you know, one of the rocks and just watching their behavior mm-hmm. and watching the animals and, and storms rolling in and all these different things that you're just, you're way more, um, present in that moment yeah, and like being immersed able to in take, it. Yeah, you're immer- exactly right. And I feel like I do my best thinking there, like, cause you're, it's clear you don't have phones beeping. You don't have someone calling you here. You don't have emails coming in yeah. all this external stuff that you deal with on a daily basis. That's gone. It's just you and your head. And if you're with some buddies, but those, those moments, what I've learned and too, like the people I hunt with, they, you know, are, have, have become, you know, my best friends and, and they, they were really good friends going into it. But when you mesh with somebody on a hunt like that, like it's, those people are your, you know, your, you know, ride or die for lack of better terms, people, because you just, or they can be the people you never talk to again, depending on how it goes. But, uh, it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, I, I just love that, that style of hunting and, and what to add to your point about how I say like you can find adventure anywhere, you know, if you take that mindset in like, being in Pennsylvania, like I can, luckily I live very close to like some remote areas. I live in a remote area, Yeah. but even other people throughout the Appalachian range, Virginia or wherever mm-hmm. you can find these places close to home, low cost. You can have less time into it and you can immerse yourself in these places and have the same type of experience. If you have the mindset to do that, totally. you know, if you want to say, Oh, I, I can't, I can't see Alaska. So this is going to suck. Well, that's, that's your own mindset and that's your, that's a problem. But like, if you're willing to, to do that and take it for what it's worth. And, and I think it's funny because even my mind even got opened up a little more. I was, I did an interview with Donnie Benson and I just listened to that today. That was an awesome episode. Really? Uh, thank you. He, he, um, I I was talking to him about how I, I struggle with trying to hunt after work. Because yeah. like, I can't turn my brain off and he's right. like, you gotta, you gotta get in that mindset. You could still do that. Yeah. And, you know, in a hunting in a backyard or, you know, like in a different type of spot, you have to learn how to manage your, your brain and your mind and be able to, you know, turn it off. And that's something that, you know, I need to work on. And I think that it could be, could be really good. So that's, yeah. that was just a, a point I wanted to add there. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. That was a really cool episode. Um, I actually, I got Donnie's going to come on, on here too, in a couple weeks. And so I was listening, I wanted to hear you guys talking to prepare for this and for, for him. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's so true. Like, you know, like I said, I went to Alaska this year, but then I came home and so I'm in a hunt club, literally I have access to like 8,000 acres, like five minutes from my house and it is suburban hunting, but I mean, it's high density. It's not like am I going to see a deer today? It's like, how many am I going to see? You know, will they be in range? Will there be a one that's big enough? Um, yeah. Which is cool. And I kind of a little bit got spoiled on that type of hunting. Cause that's, I grew up hunting in a agricultural area where it's like extremely high deer density. Um, but at the same time, like I went this year and just did like a three day mountain hunt in Virginia, 
solo. That was my first experience of like going solo only three days, but, um, but it was totally an adventure, man. I mean, I just remember sitting there that first night and, you know, it's coyotes like blasting off like all around me and, you know, you can see the stars and, um, definitely, I don't know if I love hunting solo to be honest, but <laughs> it was yeah. definitely an experience. No, that's, and that's a good thing to recognize. Like I've, I've realized that too, like with out West, I, that's not something that I'm totally interested in doing i did yeah. it for a couple a few days and i enjoy being with people more and it yeah, takes a different too. type of person to be able to do it like now for whitetails i've enjoyed hunting solo like all day and doing that and you know coming back but like and but it also i feel like it grows on you too like if you were to ask me about hunting solo out west in 2016 when i started doing it you're like hell no like i'm yeah. not doing that <laughs> So hunting solo for whitetails in PA, I do that frequently and, you know, you, you get used to it. And so, I, I mean, I think at this point I could hunt out West solo for three or four days and be just fine. I mean, I think I could go longer, but it wouldn't be really that enjoyable um, yeah. for me, but maybe, you know, in another 10 years, there might be a point where that's something that's, you know, the more you do something and you take it in kind of baby steps, the better that you can yeah. be at it in my opinion. I mean, think about it when, at least for me, when I was younger, like I hated walking in the woods in the dark when I first started hunting oh, yeah. on my own, like yeah. I hated Creepy. walking to my tree stand. I was like thinking everything was out there. I'm turning around my headlamps on full blast. I'm <laughs> out there, you know, just trying to, trying to figure it out. And like, and, and as you do that more and more, you know, now it, it doesn't bother me and I'm able yeah. to do it. Then you know, even then the first time I go out west, it's like starting all over. All right, now there's mountain lions. There's yeah. all these other things that yeah. are here. And then it's creepy again. And then oh, yeah. you get used to it. And you just keep kind of pushing yourself in those uncomfortable places. Yeah. And you're That's how you grow, get, right? It, you're 100% right. Yep. Yeah. Just like anything in life, man, you got to get uncomfortable to grow. But yeah, I remember as a kid in high school going out and hunting by myself and like, uh, like one time I'm being so freaked out. I like called my dad and I was like on the phone with my dad as I was walking to my tree stand. <laughs> I was so freaked out, but, um, but yeah, man. Um, and just, you know, going back to this kind of like theme of adventure, um, you know, I think you're a thoughtful guy and you spend a lot of time out in the woods and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, have you ever thought much about, uh, your spiritual connection to the land or, uh, the creator or wh what you think about all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, for me, that's like, the, that's the number one place where I can, where I can connect on that level. Cause it's, it's as close as you're going to be in, in my opinion, in the way that I feel about it to anything else, because you are able to completely disconnect and be able to understand all the things that, that were created here yeah. for us. You know, it's, it's in, it's, uh, it's something that, that I haven't been able to find is as closely anywhere else yeah. in, in my opinion. You know, I, for me personally, it's, I get more of a connection there than I do in a church pew. And that's just, again, how I feel about sure. the, the way that I connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. And, um, yeah, just that connection with, for me, the connection with, uh, you know, God and, but, you know, even other guys, you know, being out there, um, I really enjoy, 
going back, you know, going back a little bit, like I really enjoy that social connection of being able to share the hunt. And I mean, you know, if you, if you think back in like human history, I doubt there was ever like Neanderthal hunters going out solo for 20. I mean, probably it did happen, but I mean, you had to hunt together for survival, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, um, yeah, no, definitely. It's yeah. And then like go on the, the people standpoint, as I said, like that's you, you have, you actually get to talk to people. Like, even though these people I go with, I know very well, but like you don't, ever talk to them on a deep level other than when you're on a hunt like that at least for me and and even i've met people on hunting trips there was a guy that listened to my podcast and had reached out to me when he heard me talking about where i was planning my elk hunt in 2019 i didn't give nothing about locations and he was hunting the exact area that i was e-scouting and going to he's like hey i'm gonna be out there the whole month of september let's meet up. And so I met up with him, and we ended up hunting together and nice. hanging out. And, and he's one of my good friends now. And it was just like, you know, he came and helped me pack my bowl out. And it was just like that connection was built there where if I would run into him, you know, at a restaurant or down the street, like it may not have been that, yeah. that way. Oh, absolutely. Like it's almost like, I don't know. I think there's such a, um, like connection between the kind of warrior archetype that lives inside of men and the hunter. Um, I feel like as hunters, unless you literally are like a war fighter, there's, that's like the closest thing to like tapping into that, like deep thing. That's like seated inside, like the heart of a man. And when you're able to like be in the wilderness hunting, um, you just connect on like a different level. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah, man. Um, so going back to this kind of like theme of adventure in your backyard, man. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, there's opportunities. I'm sure there's probably opportunities in Pennsylvania to, you know, sit on a bean field and just count deer. Um, but then there's, uh, I know you like to get out and, and get in the mountains and stuff. So, um, so what's, what's that like? Like, uh, how does it look like for you finding adventure in your own backyard? Yeah. So for, for me, mostly it's with, I mean, it can be with a variety of species, but I, I'm a, I love whitetails and I love hunting mountain bucks. I've grown up doing it. So unlike you, where I grew up, I was used to never seeing deer from the low deer densities. So it <laughs> made tough, it easy man. when I went out West because I was used to it, you yeah. know? And, um, but what I've found, and I used to look at it at when I was a kid and watch these TV shows and watch you know, Lee Lakoski and Tiffany and stuff mm. on there. And there are all these big bucks coming out these fields that I'd be like, man, we really have it. You know, yeah. It sucks here. And yeah. once I changed my mindset there and just like, I was like, okay, it's more of a challenge and, or a different challenge, I should say. And just like, I'm going to try to figure this out and just start putting as much time in. I mean, I spend yeah. 95% of my time scouting versus the, the little time that I get to hunt. And I love being able to do that and figuring out how deer move in their natural habitat. There's nothing that's, that's really, um, nothing really man-made that's changing their movement. You're hunting them the way that they're living. And, you know, it's, it's just a whole different aspect to it. And that's where I've come to like it. Like there's, there's times I'll sit and sit in my tree for three to four days without seeing a deer, without seeing a single deer. And it's, and it's, it's a challenge in your head of like, 
you overthinking it and being like, am I in a bad spot? Or maybe you really are in a bad spot. You got to <laughs> figure out how, you know, to, to trust what your scouting has shown you and trust the process and go through it. And that challenge is something that, that every single year I just keep going back to it and, and trying to chase. And, and my, my goals keep getting bigger as I do it. You know, when I was younger, it was trying to kill any buck that I could with my bow. And then as, after I got some under my belt, you know, then I kind of stepped up my, my goals a little bit. And it was just yeah. a personal thing more so than anything. And, you know, now I'm just, I, I like finding, you know, sp specific deer and, or a specific location and trying to figure it out yeah. and spending a few years of trying to figure it out, understand the movement, and hunting them and in a completely different way and and it takes some different tactics here you know whether it's hanging in a tree in a saddle or if it's hunting from the ground and more of a still hunting scenario yeah. um it's it's just a lot of differences that i think combines a little bit of the western hunting with with pennsylvania or with uh deer hunting yeah man yeah so i was um I was kind of stuck a little bit in my like comfort zone kind of rut thing. Um, just like I thought about wanting to go out West and I looked a little bit into it and I was like, man, it's just too complicated. Can't figure it out, you know, whatever. And then like, I don't know, somebody just inspired me. This guy, I know actually a local guy, um, telling me all these stories about killing these mule deer and going out to Colorado. I was like, man, I don't want to grow up and get old and fat and die and have no stories to tell. So like, I don't know. What would you, what would you say to like guys that are kind of in their comfort zone? Um, maybe want to get their feet wet, but aren't sure, you know, how or what to do. Like, what would you say to that guy? Simple. Get out of it. No, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds so simple, but it's, it is hard. Like, I mean, and even, you know, myself that preaches, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and going to different spots or, or checking out new areas. Like I still struggle with that. There's, there's an area that, that I've hunted for the last six years that I don't, I don't want to hunt anymore, but I keep going back to it because I know it and I, I, yeah. I like it. So like baby steps would be find a spot in the spring. That's like out of your comfort zone. Say you live in Virginia and you live over by DC, but you want to head over to the mountains and check out a spot. Just go scout it for a weekend, mm. camp there, camp at your truck, camp in the woods, whatever you want to do and scout it. And you have some trail cameras throw them up and let them sit all year and still hunt your same spot that year if you again take the baby steps into it and then go back and you know get that get your camera see what's going on or scout it some more do some research learn and then you know and that kind of helps you get break into it rather than just showing up to a new spot and going into it which yeah i can promise you still if you do that you will learn more. So like if you're hunting the same spot or the same property, you get complacent with hunting the same tree all the time because that's what you know. And in yeah. 2018, that was really good for you, but situations might've changed, but you get caught in that rut and those past experiences. Yeah. You go to a new area. You're looking at it from a clean slate. You're reading the deer sign for what it is. You're understanding, you know, what the movement's looking like from what you see it then. And everything's new. Yeah. So you're, you're making, you're making decisions based off of what you're seeing at that moment rather than completely on past experiences, which past experiences could teach you a lot, but sometimes that prohibits the growth of yeah. being able to go into some of these new, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and not the good rut. Exactly. Not the rut stash rut. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what would you say are some of the top like differences between a mountain deer and a farm or like a mountain deer and like a farm deer, like, you know, behavior wise are there? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it definitely is. Um, bedding there, there's not, there's not a traditional bed to food pattern very often. Sometimes you get a fresh clear cut or a logging cut that, you know, deer, you know, liking to come out and feed in, but, they there's cover everywhere they can bed down in a lot of different places they don't there's food everywhere there's browse everywhere so you know there's new trees coming up they're just they're eating sticks and limbs and and leaves and and acorns and fruit trees and all these different things they have so much food so it's 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 a weird thing when you look at it like you don't just be like okay here's the food here's the patch of cover i know it's a lot harder than this i'm just trying to simplify yeah, the sure. talking points yeah. but oh i gotta get in between it you know it's just completely different from that aspect where it it's not as straightforward and it takes a lot of boots on the ground scouting and a lot of you know knowledge and woodsmanship of you yeah. know the different plants and and really you don't need to go in it with a lot of knowledge you just got to recognize things all right you see a lot of leaves that are just chewed off or the ground's mowed down and there's so do you, why, why are they doing that? Asking yourself why, yeah. and that helps you understand that. But as far as like behavior with the deer, I've found that at least in like in Pennsylvania, for example, it's known for having a lot of hunters and mm. everyone says, Oh, the deer don't get old and stuff. Well, in a lot of places in the mountains, they do get old because they have this cover. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't mean they don't get hunted hard, but they have cover to be able to get away. And they they get extremely smart and they're difficult to 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 figure out but they really stick to that cover a lot in daylight and so that that's one of the the differences with those types of deer but they also in especially in the low deer density areas they'll cover a lot of ground yeah they might spend the summer somewhere over here food sources shift um acorns are dropping on this ridge they might move a mile and a half over there or to find a doe during the rut, they can. I've seen some GPS collar data where they, well, the, the, they've gone seven, eight miles, you know, Dang. hiking. Yeah, I, I killed I killed a deer in 2009 that I killed four and a half miles away from where I had photos of it during the rut. Wow. So like it, I was I wasn't hunting that specific deer or anything. It just so happened wow. to to be that. But it was it's incredible how far they'll go in in these places yeah. to be able to figure it out. So they're like different are, animals. They, yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're, it's cool. I mean, they're deer are deer, but deer live in a lot of different places. Right. And, you know, and that, that could be the same thing with in swamps or, um, you know, in, in the South versus the North. I mean, there's so many little differences. They're deer at the end of the day, but they have the little, little bit of differences there. Yeah. Um, just from like a high level. Okay. Guys said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it this year. Uh, I need, it's kind of the first step would be pulling up your maps and researching just from a high level. Like what are some of like the big kind of key areas to like, or like things to like look for and key in on, on a map or, or on a, you know, on X or whatever. So when you're looking at a map, like the, the big, the biggest thing I'm looking at is I, I, uh, let's start from ground zero. If you're looking at a brand new, you're trying to find a spot within the state. You want to stay away from major city areas. When I talk about moving to Pittsburgh, 
public lands around there. There's a lot of big woods type stuff, but it was heavily hunted because there's more people. Yeah. So finding more remote areas is first step. Second step is looking at, I'm looking, panning out on the map from a high level view way above and I'm looking for vegetation diversity. Mm. So I want to see as much diversity as I can, because that means a lot of food. That means different cover. And that means edges. Deer love traveling on edges. So I try to find as much diversity as I can, whether it be logging cuts, you know, conifer trees such as hemlocks, and then your your big timber stuff, uh, mountain laurel, all these different things that can be, you know, within those spots. Those really come out to me. And whenever I find something that's that are good, I'll mark like 10 of these spots, you know, yeah. throughout a region. Then I'll look at the road systems and understand the access from the people standpoint. How are people, how can they get in? Is there easy access there? Could it be hunted, you know, easily? What's then, then it kind of goes to the terrain, you know, terrain keeps people out. So that kind of goes with access. If you have to, you know, hike up 600 foot elevation gain or thousand foot elevation gain to get to a spot from the bottom, first understand it's going to suck for you too. (laughs) But like, those are spots if you're looking for, you, you know, if you're Get away looking from for getting away from people, that's yeah. what, how you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so after I do that, you know, and I find an area that's kind of looks like a little bit difficult to access or overlooked, it doesn't always have to be difficult, but somewhere that looks overlooked. Yeah. And then I'm looking at where the train and that vegetation diversity meet. Some of those mm. places create funnels because You'll have, say, like a thick clear cut, an old clear cut that comes out, and you'll have a draw that comes up and maybe 100 yards in between it. That creates that natural funnel that might funnel movement through. The deer don't want to walk on the straight up and down side hill, and they also don't want to go bashing through the thick stuff all the time. Right. So they try to find those those differences and those edges there. And whenever I find those places, I start marking them. Um, if it's a steeper country where they have points of the ridges that come out, a lot of times deer bed there, they like to bed on the edges of clear cuts, mark all those points. And then that's when it's time for me to go in there and check them out. And I try to plan out a route so that I'm, I, I, the first time I go into an area, I'm not trying to walk every square inch. It takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So I'm trying to hit some of these main areas that I've found and find the best route to navigate it and then confirm with my eyes what I think, think I saw on the map, you know? Nice. So, uh, that's awesome, man. Um, I'm sure that's really helpful to guys to kind of key in on some areas. Um, a couple of just like rapid fire questions. I like to get, you know, guys perspectives on as far as deer. Um, I asked Nathan killing these same questions. Uh, first, do you avoid smoke when you're like whitetail hunting or do you think that smoke matters? scent wise. Um, I, like wood I guess smoke wood smoke um from like a campfire I don't, I don't seek it out but i don't avoid it either it would be kind of my thought process i'm i'm not a big scent control guy i okay. i don't i don't take scent control into play a whole lot now do i use uh scent free wash and do i spray down when i get out of the truck yeah but i think it's more of a mind game than yeah than anything for some guys there. are like crazy about it yeah. And I believe Nathan's one of those guys that <laughs> I are think he is yeah. regimented with it and yeah, his su- success doesn't lie with it. But I just, I just haven't found uh, the, co- again, I'm not, I'm not stupid with it. Yeah. And, but I, I don't, again, I don't actively seek out smoke, but yeah. 
of course. Yeah. Um, you pee in a bottle or you let it fly? Let it fly every time. <laughs> I, nice. I pee in every scrape that I build. Okay. I pee out of the, I pee out of the tree. Um, the worst part about peeing out of the tree is the noise it makes when it hits the leaves on a cold morning. But yeah. <laughs> I, I do not worry about that one bit. Yeah, I used to carry a pee bottle with me, but after I talked to Nathan, he said he lets it fly. I'm like, all right, if he does it, so now if you're saying so, I'm definitely not bringing any more bottles. Yep. <laughs> um, last, last like rapid fire deer question is something that I just was curious about the other day because I've been seeing these huge bachelor groups of bucks. You know, I've been out glassing and stuff. Um, if you are, if you're out or if you see a bachelor group are you doing anything with that information or is it just kind of like, ah, that's their summer thing. Once October hits, it's, you know, it's out the window or is that useful in any way? Depends on the location. Like, so in the big woods, if I were to see one in a uh, new logging cut or something like a lot of times they'll, there's a new growth coming up, a lot of green space there. And Mm -hmm. that'll be a spot where bachelor groups are during the summer, but that's also good throughout the season. So, there might they they'll definitely split up, but there might be a couple bucks that hang around Just there. It has has that diversity I'm looking for in the nearby area. Yeah. But there's other spots that I'll run cameras in the summer that I I've found are good for bachelor groups, but there's not really any of them that stick around. Yeah. So I just don't, I, I take that information as knowing that there's deer within a three mile radius and <laughs> then try to find the good spots outside of it. So yeah. it's, it's very, it, it really does depend on what the area uh, looks like. Sure, man. Well, cool. Um, Just a couple, one thing I want to ask you about. So, so I have it on good authority from a buddy of mine in the, white or the wildlife management arena of our state that we may be getting um like a drawing for elk tags in virginia next year yeah and pa does it too right yeah okay so have you have you do you apply for that or have you what's every year yeah is it really tough to get it's very tough my dad's been applying from the beginning in like 2003 and has I don't know what 17, 18 points and hasn't drawn yet. I've been applying, trying to draw, but I have not drawn yet. So yeah. yeah it's, a, it's Have you a seen any elk struggle. out there? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I live on the edge of the elk herd. Okay. So, um, I, I see them quite frequently and I've shed hunted for them. I spend a lot of time in, in elk nice. country. I've spent some time hunting in deer season in the elk area and had bulls fighting and bugling and stuff all around me in the tree. And it's, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I haven't seen one in Virginia, but apparently, um, I heard that there may be like six tags issued or, or a drawing. Um, uh, I don't think that's public information. I hopefully don't get in trouble by saying that, but, um, anyway, um, my, my uncle drew that, uh, Kentucky elk tag a few years ago. Um, really and killed a nice bull but anyway man um all right well we're almost done here i appreciate your time um i got like three kind of like funny or not i mean they're kind of funny like just rapid fire questions yeah um so you can bow hunt whitetails as much as you want you know or you can rifle hunt everything else for the rest of your life which one are you picking rifle hunt everything Okay, cool. Yeah. So much to experience. Yep, exactly. You can make the experience however you want. You know, as far as if you want to get into bow range or the rifle, you can do that. 
That's true. I didn't think about it like that. Um, okay. You can eat all the beef and chicken you want or wild game only twice a week for the rest of your life. Which one are you going for? Take the beef and chicken. Yeah? Okay. I You're will. Yep. Quantity, not quality type guy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like to eat and I like meat, so yeah. I, I'd have to take that route. Nice, man. All right. And last one. Um, would you rather wear the same socks for a month or the same underwear for a week? Same underwear for a week. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Socks. You can't really, you can't really, matter. they get like crusty and hard and like yeah, that's, saturated. <laughs> yeah. You get a good set of Merino underwear. You're good for a week. Nice, man. All right, cool. Well, thanks again, man. It's been fun catching up with you. I hope you have a great season. Um, and definitely tell folks where they can hear more of your stuff, watch your videos. And I know you got some really cool scouting videos and stuff. So where can people find you at? Yeah, so you can you can find uh, my podcast, East Meets West Hunt, anywhere you can find podcasts or at eastmeetswesthunt.com. You can find me on Instagram at my name, Bo Martonic. And uh, my YouTube channel is under my name as well, Bo Martonic. So any of those places, you can find that. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again, brother. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast. And make sure you stay up to date on social media at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram and the Hunter's Quest podcast on Facebook. And we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day, as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, whatever. Just drop me a line in my DMs, or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff in the works. And I'm really excited to continue this quest together.